the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Sadly, many people are not willing to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. Jesus said, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. The issue is not a lack of light. The issue is people's love of darkness. Because light has come into the world. Here in Hosea, it's not that God was unwilling to heal Israel. The issue was Israel was unwilling to give up her sin in order to be healed. Light is where healing and restoration can be found. However, as Pastor Dan shares in today's message, you must be willing to give up the darkness. Darkness is where you try to hide your sins. In the darkness, we fulfill fleshly desires, live in our pride, and delight in all things evil. But the light of Christ offers freedom from your sin. The shackles of your temptation can be broken with the redeeming love found in Christ. What does it take to experience this freedom and love? Give up the darkness. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 7 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Turning your Bibles to the book of Hosea, chapter 7. Let me pray for us before we get into the Word together. Lord, we're just so grateful for your Word. And Lord, we thank you that it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And you can use your Word to speak into our lives, Lord, and into our circumstances, Lord. We thank you that your Word never returns void. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, just as a review, remember Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, He was a prophet in the final years of the northern kingdom, leading up to and after it was conquered by the Assyrians. So he was, in a sense, a last days prophet living in the last days of his nation, preaching to a nation that was rapidly declining and heading for destruction. And as we've seen in Hosea, the reason Israel was declining as a nation and would be destroyed was because the nation had turned its back on God and it had turned away from God's word, God's commands, God's standards, and turned instead to idols, other gods, And the nation became morally and spiritually bankrupt. And so as we read through Hosea, you know, it's almost in a way like God is giving us a a, a medical report or an autopsy report and and telling us, you know, what, what were the conditions in the nation? What were the symptoms in the nation? And what was the cause of death for this nation? And I think it's good for us to look at Hosea because we see many of the same things happening in our own nation. 
uh, we have a lot of the same symptoms uh, that Israel had before they collapsed. So verse 1 tells us, the Lord speaking here, when, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered and the wickedness of Samaria, for they have committed fraud. A thief comes in, a band of robbers takes spoil outside. God says, I, I would have healed Israel. God's desire was to heal the nation, to make them prosperous again. God desires to heal nations, all nations. He's the hope of all nations. And he desires to heal people of their sin. And healing from our sin is truly our greatest need in life. Jesus came to heal people, not just physically heal them, but to to heal people of their spiritual need. He came to heal people by giving his life on the cross as a ransom for our sin. Jesus said the sick need a physician. And Jesus came like a physician into this world for the sick to call sinners to repentance, to turn from their sins. We have to repent of our sins before Jesus can heal us of our sins. And that's true for a nation too. God offered to be a physician to Israel. He came and he wanted to be a physician. He wanted to heal the nation and deliver them out of all their troubles and restore their prosperity again. But they were unwilling to repent of their sins. Just as God wants to heal our nation. It's like God wants to heal any nation. But that requires our nation repenting and turning back to God. And I hope you're praying for our nation. I hope you're praying for revival. That God would turn our nation, turn hearts back to him, turn individuals back to him. God says, I, I would have healed Israel, but, but they wouldn't turn from their sin and turn to me for healing. This reminds me of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, when he laments for Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. I wanted to gather you under my wings and protect you and provide for you and care for you, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't let me. And sadly, many people are not willing to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. Jesus said, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. The issue is not a lack of light. The issue is people's love of darkness because light has come into the world. Here in Hosea, it's not that God was unwilling to heal Israel. The issue was Israel was unwilling to give up her sin in order to be healed. And again, that's, that's true for a lot of people, just not willing to give up their sin. They don't want to be healed badly enough to give it up. And look at how God describes Israel's sickness here. It's almost, again, like he's telling us you know, the symptoms of their illness. He says they have committed fraud. They were acting fraudulently, deceiving each other, lying. Lying was common. That was a symptom of their spiritual condition. He says a thief comes in, meaning thieves were breaking into houses. Break-ins were common. A band of robbers takes spoil outside. That means people were getting robbed in the streets, right out in the open, in broad daylight. And God is saying, this is how sick the nation was. This is how bad things were. Because they rejected the Lord and his word as their standard. Now to us, this sounds like a typical report of the day stories on the evening news, right? I mean, break-ins, you got some break-ins, you got people getting robbed at gunpoint, broad daylight. I mean, that's every day in our communities. 
But these are symptoms of a nation that has turned away from God. So much so that when I read those verses, when I read that list there, it doesn't really strike us, right? Break-ins, people getting robbed. God is saying, hey, this is what was going on in the nation as a sign of their illness. Lawlessness was abounding. Verse 2, look what he says. They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness, and now their own deeds have surrounded them. They are before my face. There was no fear of God among the people. There was no fear of consequences, either from man or God, no concern. You know, you probably have seen the videos of people in California that are walking into department stores and filling up garbage bags full of clothes and just walking out. Have you guys seen those videos? Yeah, because California has adopted a law that any theft under $940 is considered a misdemeanor, and the police don't report for misdemeanors. The police don't do anything because they're stretched so thin. And so the people know they can get away with it. They can just walk into a department store, just brazenly go in and fill up a bag and walk out, and there's no fear of consequences. But here the Lord says, they do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own deeds have surrounded them. They are for my face. God is always watching and God sees all things that we do. Job chapter 34, verse 21, for his eyes are on the ways of man and he sees all his steps. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21, for your ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all your paths. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 17. My eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. God sees everything we do. Nothing is hidden from him. Remember the story in John chapter 4 of the woman at the well, the immoral woman that Jesus speaks to at the well. And at one point in the conversation, Jesus says to the woman, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. I'm not married. And Jesus says, that's right. You're not married, but you've had five husbands. And the guy that you're with right now, you're not married to. You're just living with the guy. And the woman said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet, (laughs) right? He sees all things. He knows all things. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that probably makes you anxious, knowing that God sees all things and knows all things that you've ever done. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it's a great comfort to us to know that he sees everything that happens in your life. Your sin has already been dealt with on the cross. Your sin's already been paid for and removed by the sacrifice of Christ. Now you're a child of God. God is your father and he sees everything. He knows everything about you, even your thoughts your emotions, he understands how you feel, what you're thinking, what you're going through. You know, there's a great passage in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Sparrows were not worth much. You could get two for a penny. You can't buy one because you can't give change for a penny, right? You got to get at least two. You buy one, you get one free. We'll just give you a second one. We can't give you a change for a penny. And yet Jesus said, not one sparrow falls to the ground outside your father's care. God's even attentive to the, the sparrows. And then he goes on to say, and even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. 
you are worth more than many sparrows. The point is, if God is attentive to the sparrows that are worth nothing, how much more will he be attentive to you and me who are made in his image? Us, me and you, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for. Now, Jesus didn't die on the cross to reconcile sparrows to God. He died on the cross to reconcile mankind, us, you and me, to God. So how much more attentive will he be to us and our needs? He says, God has numbered all your hairs. Not just counteth the total number of hairs you have on your head and knows the total number. He's assigned a number to every hair on your head. That's how much he cares for us. That's how much he, he cares about the details of your life and my life. Now, you probably don't even know the total number of hairs on your head, much less have a number for each hair. And you consider yourself a Christian, right? <laughs> That's unimportant. It's unimportant to us. You've never been asked how many hairs are on your head. You've never had to, you know, filling out a form at the doctor's office. You've never had to answer that question. How many hairs do you have on your head? Because it's unimportant, but it's important to God. It matters to him. He, he's, he's that into us and the details of our lives that he even assigns a number to every hair on your head. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. And what God is saying in verse 2 is that the fear of the Lord affects people's behavior for the better. It makes them moral. If, if they know that there is a God, if they know that there is a judgment someday, it will affect their behavior. But if there's no fear of the Lord, people will practice wickedness because people are naturally bad, not naturally good. The prevailing worldview in our culture today is that people are naturally good. And so you, you don't need laws. You, you can make theft under $940 a misdemeanor, and people aren't going to abuse that. You don't need the police, because man is naturally good. That's what the prevailing worldview is, but the biblical worldview, what the Bible teaches is man is naturally bad and sinful and has a bent towards wickedness. And, that, and that's also why the Bible tells us that God has appointed governing authorities over mankind. So look at verse 3. Now, watch what it says here. Again, we're kind of looking at the symptoms of the nation as it's declining here. They make a king glad with their wickedness and princes with their their lies. The leaders of the nation delighted in the wickedness of people. The leaders of the nation delighted in the wickedness of, of, of the people. Again, this was a symptom of the moral bankruptcy of the nation that led to their destruction. They had leaders who were wicked themselves, who delighted in the wickedness of the people. They had leaders that celebrated the wickedness of the people. 
and the lies of the people. The leaders joined in with wickedness and lying. He says in verse 4, they're all adulterers, both the leaders and the people. They're all adulterers spiritually. Like an oven heated by a baker, he ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it is leavened. In the day of our king, princes have made him sick, inflamed with wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers. They, they, had, they had leaders, and here's what this is getting at. They had leaders who had bad judgment, whose judgment was impaired because they were inflamed with wine. Now, in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 4 and 5, if you're taking notes, it says... It's not for kings, or it's not for leaders. We would say, in our case, it's not for politicians, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for rulers to crave beer. Here's why. Lest they drink and forget what, they, what has been decreed. The scriptures explicitly command leaders, politicians in our case, to abstain from alcohol because it affects their judgment and their ability to govern justly or rightly. But the kings of Israel, they were wicked kings. They didn't care about judging or governing rightly or justly. It wasn't about righteousness for them. It wasn't about doing what was right for the nation for them. And so verse 6, it goes on. They prepare their heart like an oven while they lie in wait. This is talking about the leaders. Their baker sleeps all night. In the morning it burns like a flaming fire. They're all hot like an oven and have devoured their judges. All their kings have fallen. None among them calls upon me. The the rulers' hearts were like an oven that's been heated. And what it's saying here is that that the rulers, their hearts were like an oven, meaning they, they lusted for power. And, and getting power by whatever means necessary. And seizing power and control of the levers of government. That's what was burning in their hearts. Not righteousness, not justice, not, no, just getting power. That's what their hearts were on fire for. And silencing their opposition. Look at what it says. Verse 7. They have devoured the judges. They devoured the judges. They went after the judges that didn't agree with them. They they destroyed them. And all the kings have fallen. Several of the final kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were assassinated in the final years of the nation. Just over, you know, governments are overthrown because people are just seizing power. They just want power. Not what's right for the nation, not what's just, not what's best. Their hearts burn for power and control. You know, they took out any opposition and it created it created great political instability in Israel in her final years. There was no consistency because the government was constantly switching hands between these different kings where one would overthrow another or assassinate another. And so there just was great instability in the government. And and most of all, the most important thing at the end of verse seven, none of them called upon God, the leaders. None of them called upon God. None of them sought the Lord. Again, you're doing an autopsy on a nation. What's the cause of death? And we're looking at these different symptoms. What brought this country down? Now look, it goes on. Verse 8, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake 
unturned. I like that. <laughs> so Ephraim, remember, is another name for Israel. And, and what it's talking about here in verse 8 is Ephraim or Israel mixed with the pagan people in the surrounding nations. And that influenced them. And God uh, warned Israel not to mix with the pagan people because it would corrupt their nation. Uh, in Exodus chapter 23, verses 32 and 33, the Lord said to Israel, do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. So there were seven, Can- the seven pagan nations living in the promised land that God's going to drive out before Israel. Now, this is just like a little side note for you. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus has the feeding of the multitudes. Remember the first time he does the feeding? There's 12 small baskets left over, right? Remember that? And then he does a second feeding. And after the second feeding, there's seven large baskets left over, right? He feeds the multitudes and there's 12 small baskets. Where he, where he does that feeding, it's on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. It's on the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is the bread of life for the 12 tribes of Israel. He's the bread of life to the Jews. The second feeding, where there's the seven large baskets, that's over on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That's over in the pagan land over there in the Decapolis, where the pagan Gentiles live. And there's seven large baskets left over, representing the seven nations that lived in the land before the Israelites came in. He is the bread of life for the Jews. He's the bread of life for the Gentiles. That's all extra credit. It's not going to be on the test. You don't have to worry about it. But here he says, Deuteronomy 7, when I, you know, I'm going to drive out these pagan nations before you, he lists them, seven nations, larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons for, here's why, they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. So God, very clearly, that's just two passages, but he very clearly told Israel, I, I, don't, I don't want you mixing with these pagan nations and learning about their gods and giving your daughters to marry their sons. And, and I don't want you intermarrying with them because they're, they're going to, they're going to turn you away from following me. Now we see the same thing, same instruction in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He asked me how I know, and I say it. 
Imagine the details of your life being used as a sign to an entire nation. Well, this was the case for the prophet Hosea. As Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, we trust that you've been following along and are gaining much truth from God's Word. Here on Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan teaches through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again or want to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once you get there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Just look under the Media tab. Otherwise, you can simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll be sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Hosea. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.